Welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with more sex. How you doing, MB? I'm doing great, buddy. How about you? Um, absolutely wonderful. Uh, I couldn't resist. You know, we got the lead medal at an all-time high. I'm digging through the archives. We're gonna nice. start Golden nice. Age, the age nice. of miracles. The age of nice. miracles. Yeah. Nice, uh, nice edit into the, <laughs> the intro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um Oh, you want to talk about the lead metal? I'm a bit of a DJ myself. Um... <laughs> yeah, well, you got a bright future. If you study commercial paper, you might make something <laughs> yourself. So speaking of uh, DJ Diesel. Let's go to the lead metal. Oh, no, I, don't, don't get me off. Don't distract <laughs> me with the shiny little object. Okay, okay. So just quickly, somebody came in and made the point, you know, we throw a lot of hate. On DJ Sal, and by the way, um, Rich Handler uh, has been making more money. And and you know, I I mean, look, 
all Liam and I are doing here is calling balls and strikes. That's right. We don't have a dog in this hunt. Unlike so many people, Dave Rosenberg, John Maudlin, 13D, Gabe Cal, Kevin Muir, everyone's asking for money. And what are we asking? We're just asking for your time and patience. Okay. But um, the comment I want to make about the rich handler, DJ Saul thing is, I would invite you to go and look at what Rich Handler has done to Jeffries in his tenure there. Okay. Now I think, I I think, I think he's not sold one share of stock the entire time. I could be wrong, but um, so, you know, like I said, we're just calling balls and strikes. And um, so, uh, yeah. So that's, it's yeah, Forrest and, and, Gump. It's a, and I and I, I'll tell you what. I'll be honest. I don't know Rich. You're friends with Rich. Ed's friends with Rich. I like him. I follow him on Instagram and Twitter. I know him from social media, and he is awesome at it. He is awesome because he's got kids that he's in touch with, and there is no one better, dude. He's like a. He's as good as any twenty five year old you know, tech social media nerd. He knows what to post. He posts good stuff, inspirational stuff, fun stuff with his kids. He goes out to dinner. He, he sends out an email or an Instagram post that says, send me the next 20 Jeffries employees and what department you work at. And we're having dinner at Mr. Chow. The first 15 people to respond, meet at eight o'clock. He does that really? twice. Dude, he's awesome. Yeah, he's fucking awesome okay. at it, dude. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I stand him. I stand Rich Rich big time. So uh, okay. it's my show. And if I want to talk shit about DJ D-Saw, I'm going to. And if I want to use Rich as a, as a, as my, as an as a layperson civilian, when I see Rich running the big bank and running Jeffries and bringing Jeffries through whatever attack that they went under 20 years ago, he is – he has carried that firm from what I know, from what I see. He's a major donor to the University of Rochester. He's always going to his alma mater and funding scholarships and staying in touch with his school. All right. So I will not stand for attacks on Rich Handel on my show. Okay. I, um, and he sponsored that stretch of 684. Okay. I drive on 684 every day. I see the big Jeffries billboard and I'm proud of that. I. I would just like to interject <clears throat> patiently and casually. It's it's our show. Uh, <laughs> I like to say my show when I'm talking shit about people. I, I like that way. You're not uh, are you you don't want to drag me down right, the right. cesspool? Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, you know, uh, being Easter weekend, you know, I know you and I have many uh, events we have to attend, yeah. and. Um, so I, I don't have a lot prepared. I, I just sort of figured I'd ad hoc the thing because uh, the markets were ostensibly closed on Friday. I did see some comment about Anthony Scaramucci. Um, Who? It's, Who? It's Who? Um, the Mooch. Oh, um, yeah, that guy. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I was a member of one of these city clubs. I remember where this. where the hoy where the hoy hoy ploy go to hoy employ, and I'm sitting in the bar area just killing time waiting for a dinner, and I hear this whiny little bitch sitting behind me <laughs> complaining about 
what time he was going to be on some talk show and what the what the what the like the waiting room was going to be like and this and that and i'm thinking to myself what a fucking cunt this guy is <laughs> and and i turn i turn around and i look and i don't see anything i mean i don't think the guy's five feet tall but you know it, it's okay i just for you know, having an awful big mouth, I, I think, uh, you know, he doesn't really impose a menacing presence. And <laughs> from Long Island. He's from Long Island. He went, he's from Long Island and he, then he worked at Goldman Sachs. So if you follow that oh. chain of life, you grow up on the South Shore of Long Island. You're, you, I'm not going to say anything because I have friends in Long Island, but there's a certain type of people come from the South Shore of Long Island. And then he ascended to, to Goldman Sachs. And then he was the White House communications director. Oh, he did a bang up job there. He was <laughs> he was at that job less shorter than that woman was prime minister of England, I think. Right. Could that be? I did. I think she. I think he had a longer run. But um, but yeah, dude, he pissed off the White House chief of staff, John Kelly. He just he's been that he that he bashed Trump ever since. Yeah, he's embarrassing. He's embarrassing. Well, what what did he bother you about this week? What did how did he come up? <laughs> I I don't know. I just got something from uh, one of our correspondents and said, "Who gave this fucking guy a mic?" Oh right, right, like, right. I don't. I, you know, I I've been very busy, as you know. Um, we returned to Greenwich. Uh, I couldn't be happier to arrive in thirty degree weather. I just, <laughs> just to add insult to injury, I checked the weather in Scottsdale, where it's going to be eighty five and sunny. Um, but what's the point, right? I mean, Greenwich. How can you beat it? So, um, I made an executive decision. Um, I, I've always had a feeling that that electric Porsche that I had yeah. wasn't really eco-friendly. Had? Had? You got rid of it? So I went to that G-Chat thing. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I I said... Chat GPT. Chat GPT. Chat G and, and I said, please tell me the most eco-friendly car, a 62, soon-to-be 63-year-old white male mm -hmm. can buy... Mm -hmm. um in Greenwich Connecticut and the thing came back immediately and said a Porsche Cayenne GTS turbo wow okay so I went and I just bought one of those this morning what the truck um, <laughs> it's an SUV please um <laughs> and uh, the exhaust pipes unfortunately <laughs> Oh, where the tow hitch goes. So <laughs> I've basically achieved nothing and spent a hundred grand. You said you got rid of the electric one that, like, that, that, shit, that, like, it took a thousand African children to dig the cobalt with their hands. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. so, so I'm going to take that battery and send it back to them. <laughs> no, that's, that's not true. I, I don't mean to make light of, uh, no, but dude, uh, those, those, make light those, those, of the hypo dude, make light of the of the hypocrisy of yeah. the electronic yeah. car. Dude, what are you gonna do with that battery in 10 years? You, like uh, what are you gonna do? Think about how many you got a drawer full of iPhones somewhere. How many Blackberries and elect electronic handheld stuff have you ripped through in 20 years? That's yeah. like 
like do people everyone that listens to the show is is educated enough to understand what i'm saying about you know what yeah. is the electricity the idea that the electricity and all the lithium and the cobalt and all the stuff that it takes to get that electric car made and the consumption yeah. where yeah like my my six cylinder f-150 that gets 25 miles a gallon is arguably cleaner than the tesla like, you yeah. know at the end of the day the other thing is, and you remember that lady I met at the dinner party who was like the national security advisor who mm -hmm. bought a house by the merit in yes. case there was emergency. <laughs> um, by the way, her husband, I never tell you this, her husband is a financial writer. And at one charity auction, um, at one of the local schools, they auctioned off a day with him at this financial newspaper. Mm. And it was oldest daughter and it was a long time ago, but she went and had a fabulous time and, and she came home and she said, the guy told me he would give me a summer internship. Yeah. And, and I said, uh, that's great, honey. But, you know, look, I don't want to always be Debbie Downer, but you know, people say a lot of things and he he may well, but don't count mm -hmm. on it because, you know, a lot of talk and yada, yada, yada. So, you know, long story short, wouldn't take her calls, never heard from the guy again. Classic. And um, uh, it, it was one of those important life lessons to teach to teach your child that you know uh people ostensibly are full of shit and uh you know it's just one of those things that yep. generally you, you have to learn the hard way yeah absolutely and uh so that was mission accomplished so you got a woman who doesn't know her ass from a hole in the ground running the emergency <laughs> procedures for the government and a husband who writes in the financial press and is a fucking liar. So <laughs> we've got a talented audience. Up. We've got a talented audience. So you guys can figure out who we're talking about. We're, we're off to a great Easter weekend start. Aren't we? So how is Passover? <laughs> I'm a little confused because so apparently the Last Supper was a Seder. So there are some who believe that, and um, uh, so why would Jesus be attending a seder? Uh, that confuses me a little. I'm not asking. I'm not putting you on the spot. I mean, I know if I ask your mom, she'd have an answer. She will have an answer. I'll ask her tomorrow morning. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, just remember, sorry doesn't fix the lamp. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Please. Okay. So anyway, I got home and uh of course my bikes have been neglected. And um there's really only one guy I trust to work on my bicycles. Mm. I know that sounds a little obsessive compulsive, but no, it is is uh, Liam will tell you when you're descending at 50 miles an hour, um you, you want to make sure that you didn't have that ball guy named Max working on your bike. Um, never heard of him. Yeah, never heard of him. <laughs> Where are you from? Wichita, Kansas. Never heard of it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so basically everything's in good working order, except I've got a couple of tubeless tires that the sealant is kind of. Yeah. And so and so I tried putting the sealant, which is glue, right? In, now, in me, the uh, thing. Did you take did you take the valve core out of the stem? I I, I, <laughs> I got part A, B, and C right. The part D where you then rotate the tire around so the sealant. Yeah. Okay. I forgot to like put a piece of tape over it. It looked like a <laughs> porn movie. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what you're watching. I don't know what you're watching. But did, all, did you get it all over the Porsche? Did you get the steel? It was everywhere. No, I got it on the like. I got it on Cheryl's Tesla. <laughs> so I'll just leave it there, yeah. and then, it'll dry off. Um, but uh, yeah, my my friend Nate, who's a regular listener of the show's out of town, and uh, so I I've got enough wheels. Mm-hmm. to get me between now and when he comes back um because you know if you go to like the local bike shop mm-hmm. first of all you might as well buy a new wheel and tire for what they'll charge you to repair it yeah exactly. i was i was shocked i was i needed a chain in a hurry so i ran down to the local bike shop in Greenwich. 200, 200 bucks huh 200 yeah so, something, whatever it was, it was three times what it costs on competitive cycle. But they had it. But they had it. So good for them for having it. Yeah. You know, chain, it, you know how hard it was to get chains for a while? I'd be happy to pay 200 bucks for that chain. Well, you should have called me because I had them all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally fucking prepared. The problem is, you know, you can only watch YouTube so much to learn how to put sealant in the tire. Yeah. Um, I, I I'll be all right. Plus, it's not it's not warm enough to ride outside. All that work for what? <laughs> did you uh did you ride with Deluco today? No, it's freezing cold, like you said. <laughs> oh, so um, our good friend Chris, who by the way said to me one of the nicest and meanest things simultaneously years ago. <laughs> we're at the we're at the peace stop at Gimbel's, right? And um, we were chatting, and and I was talking about how hard the rides were getting. And he, he looked at me and said, how old are you? And I said, I, I don't forget what I was. Maybe I was in my mid to late 50s. And I told him, he goes, my God, I hope I can ride as well as you do when I'm your age. He's well. That's a compliment. Of course. That's, a of high, course. that's high praise. That's high yeah. praise. It, it reminds me of that thing about the husband says to the wife, I said, is there anything you could say to make me happy and mad at the same time? And and the wife says, sure. And the husband's like, what's that? And she says, your dick is better, bigger than your brother's. <laughs> Imagine that. Jesus. Are we? You think Lena's going to cut that out in post production? No, we've never edited anything out. How about that? <laughs> I was thinking about this this week. I was like, <laughs> when I was I was mad about something, um, well, some comment that may, might have been the Rich Handler comment that I was bent out of shape about Bob yeah. Cobb. I'm paying attention. I'm paying attention, Bob Cobb. I appreciate your nah. comment. You're creating content for the show, and you're not wrong. But I'm in the pilot seat here. Um, okay, okay, but you know we we need to. Yes. Yes. Be open-minded to alternate points of view, and stuff and stuff like that. Um, you know, keeping in mind that this is free, 
and many other people charge for these sorts of things. Right. Uh, wait, wait. We've done a hundred hours and we've never edited anything out. Maybe that's good. Uh, <laughs> I think that's I think that's been a well, <laughs> I think the first 90 hours was because we never would have figured out how to do it. It's fair. It's and, fair. And, and and we had it going until you and Lena had <laughs> creative differences. OK, thank you. Um, so uh, here we are. Here we are. Uh, I, I think um, we should talk about the economy a little bit. Please. Because I've uh, I've got uh, kind of a short and sweet view on things. Well, we are data we, dependent, so we're going to have to dive into the data, you uh, know. Uh, well, sort of. Okay. Not really. I'll tell you why. Okay. People are focused on this payroll number. And as you so adroitly and eloquently pointed out in the last podcast, uh, those numbers are screwed up because of many things which are atypical okay so the claims numbers were looking a little weaker for the economy uh the ism numbers which i like to look at are showing some weakness i think the payroll number uh friday showed some weakness but not as much weakness as people had hoped so they took the little two-year note out to the woodshed and pounded it back maybe to 4%, you know, down nine thirty seconds in what we used to call quiet professional trading. I, I don't think it matters. And I'll tell you why. Um, let me, let me bring up my little mini computer here. Um, I'm trying to run the computers um, not only in parallel but simultaneously and at the same time. Oh. That way I don't knock us off the air. But the long and the short of it is, you know that I like to look at these regional surveys because as I said before, they're pretty pretty simple. And in this business, you know, Vince Lombardi, there's six guys on this side, five guys on that guy on that side, run where there's five, right? Why, why make it harder than it needs to be? Okay, so the regional manufacturing stuff is slowing down. There's inventory gluts now. Um, oddly enough, and I'm sure the salesman was telling me the truth when I asked for a price on my used car. He actually tried to tell me I needed to pay him to take it off my hands. No, that that I'm kidding there. Um, but uh, yeah. We're working through the long and variable lags and the manufacturing sector is cleaning itself up nicely. And the service sector, by the way, is cleaning itself up nicely too. Um, you know, Shakespeare said, uh, kill all the lawyers. Now, I don't think he meant it like it sounded, but you will notice one of the world's most prestigious and certainly the most profitable law firm in the world, Kirkland and Ellis is laying off associates as are any number of these law firms. And that's reflective of slower mergers and acquisitions activity. And the next thing you know, the dentist will be giving you two for one cleanings and 
blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it takes a while, so, but it takes a while. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to talk sort of bigger picture uh, monetary aggregates and stuff like that. So basically, um, money supply growth has collapsed. Yep. Lending has oh, collapsed. Sure. Yeah. Bank deposits are shrinking and money market funds are exploding. Now, I mentioned a week or two ago how the T-bill market looked a little screwed up to me. Yeah. And I did actually uh, finally get a Bloomberg page posted. And I circled a couple of them just to show you, like, I think one had an eight basis point bid offer spread on a treasury bill. Mm -hmm. Now, is one of our listeners uh, who goes by the uh, gnome de plume of El Cid wondered out loud whether that might be the money market funds causing dislocations in the treasury market. And I, I, I think he's on to something. So I've personally taken advantage of the fact that, you know, I can move my treasury bills around pretty frictionlessly. And I just grab the highest yield stuff. And a lot of times it improves on price. And then you pick up a few days of carry. But I like trading around when I have some gains because I have some loss carry forward. So, you know, me and taxes, like I try and avoid, not evade, mm -hmm. but avoid them as much as possible. Um, so the funny thing is you have uh, bank lending is constricting banks are losing deposits to money market funds now the way i understand this linkage if the money leaves the bank and goes into a money market fund even if the bank wanted to it can't make any loans mm -hmm. so you have this financial constriction going on and i believe and this is from memory from a 62 year old but i asked the question recently i wonder what that lending constriction is worth and one of our listeners uh sent me something and i want to say it was the equivalent of an 86 basis point tightening which is 86 yeah. basis points uh i think the fed is uh probably going to tighten one more time just because they got a little credibility. Yeah. And so if you look at the shape of the curve, you know, they're predicting a tightening and then very aggressive easing. And I, I don't want to get a, caught up in a long debate about this, but I had a moment of clarity in my mind and when you realize what happens is the Fed's got this dual mandate. So full employment, stable prices. Now, you know, both are starting to move in ways which are going to be helpful in price stability. So the employment situation is loosening up a bit, okay? And some of the pricing uh, metrics, the inflation is slowly 
is slowing down. It's we're not in deflation, but the inflation rate. And so what I think is the market is predicting, and I happen to agree with this, by the way, that once the worm turns, because of the constriction in lending and the problems in the commercial real estate market, and the fact that all this money has left the regional banks, which is not likely to return anytime soon. I think once the Fed realizes the inflation thing is uh, moderated to an acceptable level and the unemployment stuff is starting to gather pace, they're going to move and and they're going to move relatively quickly. Um, so when you look at a two, you know, at 4%, that, that argues there's some easing price then. Now, am I going to tell you that's the right number? I No, I, I'm not going to attempt at this point to, to make that prediction. I think a while ago when the two-year notes were in the ones and twos, I said that didn't seem consistent, I believe, with where I thought the funds rate was going. And if I remember that correctly, then we were right and we had a great call. And and for all those hedge fund managers sending us that money, for all the money we made, and I, I want to thank them. Uh, it's a short list, uh, maybe actually zero, but... Um, we're not here for the money. It's just so you and I can talk about um, biking and fish. Um, maybe, maybe uh, we take. Uh, I'm sorry. Gold. We still have to talk about the gold. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. The, I want. I want to be. I want to be coined the the originator of the lead metal. Okay. Oh. So. You know why it's not going? You, you want to know what? I'm telling you why it's not going up. Okay, number one, Kevin Muir said it's going up. Okay, that's that's number one. Guaranteed guaranteed Guchard. Yeah, Guchard it, right? <laughs> like, I wish the market were open now so I could just beat the piss out of the thing. That's number one. Number two, David Einhorn, who. <laughs> Mr. Genius Poker Player can't find his ass with both hands, thinks gold's going up. Okay. Uh, and then this is the part I like the best, where China's been buying gold. Like, who lies more than the Chinese, the Russians? Okay. <laughs> I don't believe a fucking word that comes out, you know. So, what they're probably trying to do is fuck the dollar over. And so they keep talking about gold, this, gold, that. Even the great state of Texas. Texas. <laughs> Texas. Yeah. Yeah. So so when, so when somebody puts together an argument, well, if this happens, gold's going up. And if that happens, gold's going up. Guess what? Gold ain't going up. <laughs> so and by the and by the way, Kevin put a nice piece out mm -hmm. on why gold should go up. OK. Yeah, OK. So, so by my school of thought, he should have 10, 15, 20% of risk yeah. on in gold. And I, I'll bet you your subscription to inside baseball with old chestnut that he's got 
de minimis. It just I don't I just don't buy it. The thing has traded like shit the whole way up. I, I just don't believe the central banks are buying it. I, it I just it trades weird. All like it's it. What goes on at ten a.m. at two a.m. where there's these giant gaps? What opens? What closes? Every yeah. day I'm like, oh, 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 we're going record high today, and then it just yeah. gapped down. Okay, maybe not today. Yeah. There's a phrase that technicians use: "Eats like a bird, shits like an elephant." Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, when's your birthday? Yeah. When's your birthday? August 6th. Oh, you know, go. the high, 2020. Oh, yeah. It's the high, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll see where we're at my next birthday. Nah, you can do whatever you want. One of my, one of my uh, friends who manages a hedge fund, uh, I visited with in Scottsdale. We had a lovely lunch outside. And um, I mentioned to him the concept that hedge fund managers now get to earn 5% on the free cash balances. And he got a little sly shit eating grin. Mm -hmm. And I and I said, you know, so if you get 20% of 5%, that's 1%, plus the 2% is 3%. And by the way, you may not be aware of this, but there's a lot of fees, no. okay, that hedge funds pay that doesn't come out of their management fee. Mm -hmm. So... Um, again, I beseech you on Easter weekend, okay, if you're a hedge fund manager, it's not too late, okay? It's like that saying, three nails in a cross makes forgiveness. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really amazed at the obtuseness of people who continue to give hedge fund people money. It just just sit down with a piece of paper and a pencil. Do the math for yourself. And by the way, so as an example of this, um, I saw that there's one of these Taleb funds, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the uh, black swan guy that stole our idea yeah. from 1992. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me see if I if I can find it big without blowing. He's a big cyclist now. He's like he's 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 committed to bikes now. He's he's <laughs> who Caleb. Yeah. Now, like, you think he could keep up with us? <laughs> you know what would be fun to do? It'd be fun to take him on a ride. We're such, such cyclist jerks. You think he can keep up with us? <laughs> well, I've worked my fucking nails off to get no, to this 100%, 100%. level. Um, I want to see if I can find this thing. Because basically, one of his adjunct funds was saying they made like 4,000%. Wow. Wow. And so so yeah, but no, what they do is they they come up with some, you know, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, you know, what you giving these people money? I mean, come on. And I I'm 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 aware. I'm aware. Um I I really one day want to give a lecture in front of a blackboard and explain why investing in hedge funds cannot no, you're, I know you're laughing, but I'm serious. You can't give all of your money to one hedge fund manager, right? Do you agree with that? No, I totally you, do. You, okay, so that's number one. So number two, you can't give people 3% now in fees, okay? 
give them 20% of the ups, give them none of the downs. Yeah. Okay. That's, and then finally, if they have an up year, you pay tax on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they have a down year, you're limited to $3,000 loss. So I've done this ad nauseum. I've had whichever one of my kids was working for me at the time do this as a test. If you have like three or four hedge fund managers, it, 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 I don't get it. I just, I just don't get it. I mean, this is how it works. The fund of funds people spin this whole fucking yarn to in front of like CalPERS and yep, yep, TIA craft and this. And it's a really a good looking guy, probably spent a couple of years at McKinsey maybe went to Brown or Harvard and then very attractive young person, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just the right physical type. And they give you this whole, it's an uncorrelated uh, asset, which is false. And they get the unique guy, yeah. which is false. And then the fact that is they gain assets, it doesn't affect, their returns, which is false. I mean, how do you, you know, it's like if there was a Bible in the room, it would burst in flames. <laughs> yeah. People are dishonest. Well, it's, it's shocking. <laughs> well, I, I, you're never going to convince a person what they do for a living is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as I was dining with my hedge fund friend, who I, I think the world of, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, I, you know, I don't have, I'm not an easy guy to like, and I don't like a lot of people. So the fact that I have a couple of friends like you, you know, I, I get it's, it. I, I'm unusual that way. Mm-hmm. But you know, even he knows it's ridiculous, right? Right. right. But he, 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 and what does that say? And a man in my position can't afford to look ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, that's why he can sit there and listen to you and he can just smile when he, you know, what's going on. You guys are on the same page, but you know, on Monday he's going well, to look. let's gonna... put in, let's just do some fun math. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's say he's got $5 billion under management. Okay. Okay. And they earn 5% sitting in treasury bills. That's $250 million. Did I do? I'm assuming I did that math right. Okay. So they earn $250 million that they get 20% of. So they get $50 million for coming in, turning on the Bloomberg and looking at the specials from the kneaded bread. Like what's today's special sandwich or special soup? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's it's Monday. We got chicken noodle soup. On Friday, we got uh, New England clam chowder. I'll take my share of that. Carrie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, why don't we put a benchmark on these things? Why don't we say, you know, we'll give you, you know, twenty percent of the up over mm-hmm. the uh, the Fed funds rate. Why do you Why do you get a free peek on? On that, I mean, you know, I mean, let's be let's be fair about it. Yeah. I, I don't know. 
Maybe I'm asking too much. I mean, they've uh, they've morphed into borderline criminal enterprises. (laughs) Speaking of borderline criminal enterprises, I don't have the statistics in front of me. A one major investment bank was fined $3 million for mis-entering orders that were... Thirty million? Thirty million dude, thirty million wouldn't need like what's thirty no they no they got three million. The parking, they got fined. A parking ticket. It was two hundred and fifty dollars per incorrectly executed order. Shorts, shorts, longs. Ah, you know, it's an honest mistake. We'll pay the three million dollar fine. So when I was at the University of Illinois, okay. I had an interview with Goldman Sachs on campus and I crushed it. So I got invited to drive to St. Louis where they had an office at the time and I didn't have any way to get there. So I borrowed uh, Cheryl's sister's car, which was so rusted out under the passenger seat side, there was no floor. Right. So I so I drive from Champaign to St. Louis. And just so you know, I've made my share fair share of mistakes. I didn't have a suit. I borrowed a suit from someone, and guess what color it was? Brown. Brown suit. (laughs) So I turn up at Goldman Sachs in St. Louis in my brown suit, and I'm talking to the guy who runs the office and it it, it it went really really well I mean you know I spoke the lingo yep. I was prepared but I remember one of the the um, the traders or the salesman shouted to one of the, the clerks I need a sale ticket and she said is it an outright sale or a short sale and because I had worked in a retail operation and then at the floor of the board of trade, I wasn't familiar with the short sale uptick rule. So to shell something short, you had to tick a box that said short sale. So that was the first time I had ever heard about it. And of course, you know, at 20 years of age, I forgave myself for not knowing something and I moved along, but that's ostensibly what, what they did. And, um, but it was like millions of tickets that they, which, which strikes, which strikes me as I I have a friend who has an account there and he's tried to do business with them. And, and they're very, in terms of regulatory stuff, he says they're impossible. So it's a little funny yet. I guess the truth be told is when you got a guy like DJ Sal keeping an eye on things 24 7, 365, you got to cut him a little slack, right? I mean, the guy couldn't possibly be working harder. Um, Three million bucks. Three. 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 Yeah. Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. What's the point? Why even release that news? Like that's embarrassing. Like the regulatory, who find them? SEC. That's an SEC fine. 
What a I joke. Don't I, I, I don't, I, I can't speak I to how absurd this thing is. Um, but uh, it was nice to see that uh, Pocahontas apparently is upset with the price of eggs. <laughs> and so she's going to, she's going to dig deep into that one. I wonder what yeah. her mama and papa would think of those things. Um <laughs> Uh, so we did the we got to come from Greenwich on a mm -hmm. Thursday and Cheryl called uh I don't know it was DoorDash or or um yeah, Uber Eats, yep. One of one of those delivery service and she ordered six hundred dollars worth of food. And uh it's just the two of us right now because the kids have flown the, the nest. And it was like six bags of groceries. I look and there's like a couple of boxes of sodas and there there, there was uh <laughs> there was some uh cauliflower florets because uh oldest daughter has created this delicious uh recipe of um you take uh the florets and you roast them and you turn them into sort of like uh chicken wings but with with florets so with mm -hmm. the barbecue the uh, buffalo sauce with some scallions and some blue cheese although i remember her young daughter doesn't like the blue cheese and at one point eldest daughter put the blue cheese and the youngest daughter we had a little bit of a conflicting moment um <laughs> which I, I wasn't prepared for but uh, managed to make the best of it um <laughs> But bouncing around, going back to the economy. Um, so you have the Fed balance sheet shrinking, except when the banks are in trouble. Uh, the Fed has hiked rates up a zillion basis points. The tightening of lending standards is worth another 50 to 75 basis points. Okay. The, this thing is dead. This economy is like a dead shark, right? And uh, if you're hanging your hat on some employment statistic, uh, good luck to you, because mm -hmm. it's a lagging indicator. Yeah. And uh, you're going to spend all um, summer for it. Yeah. So I don't think the Treasury yields look all that terrible. Now, they, the, the sirens of Ulysses are calling you out to invest your money in like three month and six month bills because. You know they're what are they four ninety, oh, yeah. right, yeah. almost five percent. Two you know two you know it's a four, yeah. and then you know the belly of the curve, you know is call it a three forty. Now for those of you not uh, familiar with the significance of the belly of the curve, that tends to be over time the most volatile part of the curve. Um, I haven't looked at it on a butterfly chart but uh there's times it gets very cheap times it gets very expensive i don't know whether it's cheap or rich right now my guess is it's probably richened up a bit given the decline in rates um but um you know i i don't think these rates are terrible i don't mind parking my money you know like I said, treasury bills or maybe out to the two-year note or something like that. Um, 
What, Once what, again, what's the downside? I don't understand why. Like, why? What's the aversion to treading water in the treasuries for six months, nine months? Like, there's, you know, FOMO. Yeah. FOMO. Oh, okay. That's the answer, right? Yeah. 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 Now, um, I, you know, I've predicted fourteen out of the last three recessions, so I have no street cred. But, um, I, you know, I don't know that anybody thinks the stock market is, is cheap. If you did, you'd see Leon Cooperman out talking about stuff, and I don't think you are. Mm -hmm. You're always hearing Billy Ackman barking about something. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. What was he talking about recently? Something about somebody did something, and it was so good. And and I, 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 couldn't, know, I, I, I had a busy I, week. I didn't have time for Bill on Twitter this week. <laughs> slow. <laughs> slow. I'll check in on him next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I was kind of wondering whatever happened to old Dave Rosenberg because I uh, suspended. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that subscription has lapsed. And I've talked to a couple of other people who I am familiar with, and they've let their subscription lapse. And the reason I mention it is I saw – his former firm, Gluskin Self, mm -hmm. Shelf, Gluskin Shelf, Gluskin, it's a Canadian firm. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they've closed because the owner said something like, yeah, it should be closed because the culture is so bad. Wow. <laughs> so I guess I guess Dave pulling the plug there was the canary in the mine shaft. How about um, Neil Dutta? Let's talk, let's say something nice about Neil Dutta because we like his Renaissance macro note. Um we you know, we do, but I, I have I to. Like him. Well, I'm glad you do because I'm paying for it. Good, good. <laughs> well, I, I get him free on Bloomberg. Just just listening to it, I'll get him twice a week on Bloomberg Radio. He's, this he's is awesome, what, dude. He's awesome. This is what irritates the fuck out of me. Okay, like gave Cal ten grand, Renaissance Mac ten grand, thirteen D ten grand. I'm writing these checks, and they show up on. Uh, these fucking talk shows giving it away for free. It's like my mother said, you know, with with the girls, it's like why buy the cow when you get the milk for free? Absolutely. Right? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. So, nice. No, I, I think Neil Dutt is is good. That's why I'm paying the money. But he's more in this camp of the economy's doing better than people thinks, and he he does in a way. I think directly or indirectly imply the stock market and the bond market are not consistent. Meaning if the bond market is right, the stock market's too high. And if the stock market's right, the bond market prices are too high. Remembering we speak in bond prices in terms of price, not yield. So um, I think at these rates, again, very, very comfortable. And, and you know, Listen, one of the things older age has given me the benefit of is understanding the significance of patience. And look, I used to love writing tickets. I, I still do. It's it's fun. It I get it, right? It's a lot of fun. You're whipping them and driving them. You're getting hit on the bid, you get a lift on the offer, you know, bang, zoom. Yeah, you get in the flop, I'll get that feeling, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, which by the way, 
you've sent me numerous articles talking about this guy who makes money with the roulette wheel in the flow dude yeah well that that's that's exactly it i mean like music you know, they, they said like a music like a musician's a musician's mind dude they said that like yeah all he has to see is the warped wheel and he can and he can watch and i knew it's exactly what you talk about like that locked in you know and i've i've been interested in gambling since i was a teenager and when Cheryl and I moved to New York, uh, we didn't really know anybody. And so on the weekends, because we both worked, mm -hmm. we were fried. Like, you know, you, you're building your career. So Saturday, you know, would be like we go to the Gristides. They didn't have like internet dial up deliver. Like you had to go pick the shit up. and. Yeah. And and so by like Saturday night, the last thing in the world we wanted to fucking do was leave the house, right? So there was one of these cable access shows called So You Want to Be a Gambler. And I think the guy's name was John Patrick. And I have a book somewhere that he wrote. And he was sponsored by the casinos, which makes sense. They, they want you to learn how to gamble because they know you'll fuck it up and they'll win, right? So... But he kept saying, if you're not going there to win, get out of the casino, mm -hmm. which was a great, which was a great lesson, right? So I studied a lot of these things. And then they had this deal. Now keep in mind, I'm like 25, okay? And so for 20 bucks, you could buy a ticket, get on a bus at the New York Port Authority, which is not the mansion that it is today. <laughs> and they drive you down to Atlantic City. Yeah. You get off the bus to give you $20 worth of chips. So it, it's free effectively, no right? No okay. So I really studied the game of craps. Why? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But um and to this day, I'm still kind of fascinated by this game. And I think we've talked a bit about this, where I've looked at the uh, weak law of large numbers, and things go in streaks. And I think I've mentioned to you how when I would go out west climbing with Marty and Travis, I'd always stop in and do a little parlor trick, mm -hmm. where I'd start with a couple hundred bucks and make 500 a thousand bucks in the course of like 15 minutes and then leave mm -hmm. right now I, I, I look i know if i stood there for eight hours i'd be they'd wipe me out right but i get the fact that you can get a brief window where these things get into a trend and um i had actually thought about doing it again in Arizona when I was out there because they they have uh, casinos that are like 20 minutes from my house. Mm -hmm. But we went we went one Saturday night because there was a Kathleen Madigan, that woman comedian we really like. Mm -hmm. And when I when I walked through the casino, the tables there, they had the, the croupier, but the table was electronic. Oh. So 
Yep. You Different. would roll you would roll the dice, but you didn't have the guys with the chips. And I, I there was just something about that that creeped me out. Totally. Right. Totally. So um now that my back's a little better, uh I'm gonna start uh doing some weightlifting. And I think maybe in the fall, um after I've recovered from the seven nights of the fish at the garden. Um, I'd probably like to go back out west and do that multi-pitch route with Marty and Travis. Mm -hmm. um, I'd invite you along, but if Amy saw pictures of this thing, she, I think she might forbade it. Um, I, just, I, I could go. I just can't let her pack my, pack my ropes. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Marty takes care of the ropes. Right. Here you go, honey. You're all set. <laughs> Have fun with Morris. Oh, oh, you think you think she might uh, scrape him a little bit? Think, please, please. Oh no, um, dude. Yeah, the, I did. The Bloomberg Bloomberg ran that article about the guy that the Croatian guy beaten beaten uh, beaten the wheel at at the Ritz Carlton in London and talking about you know how do he do it? And he said, you know, I just I mean, he said he found a warped wheel, an old wheel in the slight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all you need. Back. And the yeah. first sentence of the story is he walked into the Ritz and and he went to the third table. He went and found his table and and it yeah. was a yeah. fascinating story. But then somebody else posted another link to another guy that had done the same thing. I want to get the name right. I'm not going to get the guy's name right. Um, not, not Claude Shannon. No, 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 no. It, it's it's like uh. And the guy went in, it was a Jewish from Jersey, Jewish kid from Jersey. All right. right. He's a famous roulette, um, like a roulette right. wizard. He did the same thing. He beat roulette yeah. wheels. And, but like yeah. his brother went on to, to like run Seabot. Okay. okay. And it was just a small yeah. world. And I was like, okay, well, so it went from like three articles from me reading about roulette to like, now we've got the small Jewish guy. Okay. And then, and then we get to Seabot. So like, it's just a, <laughs> the natural link. So, so, so two things, here's a name for you that I discovered in my travels down under. His name is David Walsh. Okay. And I will leave it to you. And, uh, the listeners to explore that that's a fascinating story awesome. he wrote he wrote a book called a bone of fact which somebody told me was unavailable and once i heard that i couldn't sleep until i tracked down a couple of copies you don't need to read the book but the guy's story is fantastic the other thing i want to tell you about the warped wheel yeah okay yep. So when I worked at Deutsche Bank, uh, basically Deutsche Bank wanted to start a primary dealer and the primary dealer, Dean Witter, who was a bunch of B plus, B minus traders, they had a huge year in the 1987 crash. Okay. Okay. So that got around. Deutsche Bank wanted to become a primary dealer. So they basically did a lift. They took Deutsche Bank hired the um, the Dean Witter guys with the mission build a dealership. So yep, yep, yep. one one of the guys who came over from Witter was this 
guy, John Francis Eckstein III, who you've read about in some of these LTCM stuff. And so I met him and, you know, being the convivial, charming young man I can be when I'm not on a bike, we hit it off and we became good friends and he, and he hired me to be in the R group. Um, asterisk, a couple of years later, the guy running the, the department said, do you want his job? And I kind of said, well, yeah. So that, <laughs> let's try for another time. But one of the guys from Dean Witter, who's, I won't say his name, okay, but his nickname was Chatter. And that's because he would never shut the fuck up, mm -hmm. right? But once again, like during the stock market crash, made a fortune. Yeah. Like he just caught it right, genius luck, who cares, made a fortune. Okay. So we're talking about one day about flipping baseball cards. Now, I'm a simple kid from the Midwest, mm -hmm. and we traded baseball cards a little bit. Sure. But I didn't know much about them. But apparently out east, mm -hmm. a couple things. One guy, some guys would put baseball cards in the spokes of their tires because it made a noise. The other thing would be these guys would flip them. And if you matched or didn't match, you would keep the card, right? Mm -hmm. And so Chatter was talking about how he could flip 10 heads in a row or 10 tails in a row. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'd never heard about this. Thing. Yeah, he says, yeah, yeah I, could, I can flip with my eyes closed 10 cards in a row sure. and I can get all heads or all tails. Amazing. And I said, no fucking way. Right. Like, cause to me is a 50, 50 thing. Right. Well, so we bet like a hundred bucks. I don't know what that's worth now, but the fucker bangs out 10 heads in a row. And it's like, it was like when I was talking about playing the hand slap game with EG, yep, yep. like the second I stood there and put my hands on EG's paws, I, like I knew I was done for, right? This guy was hadn't even flipped, finished flipping the third card, and I knew I was out a hundred bucks. And it's the same thing with this roulette table. There's guys they just get in that flow, and because of the way you bet, you don't have to pick one number. You can pick, you know, red or black. You can pick a series of numbers different ways. And, and yeah, I, I, I get it. And by the way, you had mentioned Claude Shannon. They actually, they actually sat down being geniuses and figured out mathematical ways you, you can do it. And then, yep. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. The other name, the, the guy I was thinking of was Henry Jarecki. You know, the Jarecki name, Henry Jarecki. Yeah. that That's the name. And uh, yeah, his, his brother was a big shot at Seabot back in the day. Um, but yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll post the, I'll post the, the link to the guy. But he was just a wizard, um, and he went all over the world and and just cleaned up playing roulette and then just quit and he went and and then he became, he went and worked in the uh, he was like a commodities broker when he when he got done playing roulette, you know. Yeah. yeah. During his well, involvement, group Jarecki served as, as the director of the Futures Industry Association, the national the National Futures Association, Comex, the Chicago Board of Trade, and the Chicago Metals Board of Future, and was an advisor on the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. <laughs> oh, that's a distinguished career. Not bad, you know? So, yeah. yeah. 
All right. Uh, I'm I got I'm getting the red light from network. All I right. think they want to go to a message. Are we about done? Thanks. I like to say thanks, Jeffries, for sponsoring the show this week. All right. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, are you bringing small by this wing? Yeah, it's gonna be beautiful out. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can go for a walk, and I can answer a few questions. Chatter, little chatter. <laughs> how's she? Uh, how's she at uh, putting sealant in tires? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll take care of it. Thanks, pal. It's great to see you, pal. All right, buddy. You I'll talk well. to you. All right. Cheers.